are back. Welcome into another episode of Chasing 1969, a New York Jets podcast. It is Wednesday, July 12th. Coming at you from, uh, I guess, Nashville and Syracuse, uh, New York, alongside Teddy Pristash. My name is Blake Pace. Before we get to him and how he's doing, make sure to follow us on Twitter at NYJ underscore Chasing69. Same as the YouTube, Teddy at Teddy Huncho. I'm at Spring Blake with four A's. If you're on our YouTube, I have a new fun sign that says Spring Blake. I'd love to thank my lovely ex-girlfriend, Leah Allison, for getting me that. Um, some things you don't have to return. Teddy, how you doing? How nice. you been? Good man, real good. I uh, yeah. Anyone who's watching on the YouTube sees this Jets hat I'm wearing, um, and I I was thinking, you know, I've kind of take. I used to wear a jersey on every episode. Yeah. And in the off season, I kind of have been like, you know, I don't need to wear a jersey every episode. But getting ready for this one, I was like, we're we're right around the corner from that time where I'm gonna really be, um, you know, going all in every week and putting that jersey back on. I think that's maybe more in season thing. Um, but it's getting exciting. We got this week, we got next week, and then the next podcast we do, the Jets will be in camp. They'll have started, you know, on July 19th. So I'm getting hyped, you know, like it's still two and a half months away from the start of the season, but this is the time where it really starts getting me excited to, uh, you know, football's right around the corner. When you say two and a half months, it feels like it's so far away. But for some reason, the last few weeks, I've just been very football minded, I guess, thinking a lot of futures that I'm mm-hmm. placed and taking a look at some numbers there. I just finished the the great Sam Darnold interview on Pardon My Take, which wasn't a lot of nice. a lot of crazy jet stuff in there. I was hoping there was going to be more stuff for us to talk about. He seems to be pretty. I, I'll just say I feel like he seems to be pretty. Um, not. Uh, uh, kept to himself. I don't think he's getting too far out there talking about things. Yeah, we, t- to speak on this quick, he um he definitely is very like defensive of like all the terrible things that have happened to him, and he tries yeah. to not like. And you can tell that in the way he kind of like holds back answers and stuff like that. Um, yeah. But it's interesting when he was the Jets quarterback, and and Josh Allen was blowing up. I I always was like Sam Darnold's so cool if he could just be good and you know, go on part of my take and, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, people would see like how cool he is and how he's like, actually just like a bro, but uh, you know, it kind of didn't really ever work out where he got to present that side of himself. Cause it was always him just be making crazy mistakes, you know, or saying he was seeing ghosts and things like that, which was tough for him. Yeah. Yep. And they, and they talked about it a little bit. They talked about the mono they talked and what made me think about it more than anything is he, after, you know, the monographic where he was pointing out, his finger he had his finger outward and it was just like a funny graphic he said that from that point on when he went to media days he just did some normal ass pictures of his face didn't really do any motions and that's kind of what i felt the interview felt like as well too he definitely did enjoy the conversation but he felt pretty kept to himself and didn't want to speak on things too much more just focused on like good conversation and i'm in san francisco now yeah yeah it'll be interesting to see how that works out especially you know if purdy ends up being healthy yeah um but last thing, I mean, to that with Sam Darnold, it's just like I'm sure everyone listening, all the Jets fans, remembers that year when he and and that uh, quarterback class got drafted, and there were the cringiest gifts of Josh Allen and Sam Darnold. Oh, it was the yeah. last year we had our old jerseys, and like those gifts, if you look them up on your your phone or whatever, are, are just so hilarious and so bad of both of them, and it's like 
I'm sure he was like, I'm not putting more of those out there. This. Yeah, I'm done so, with it. Yeah. I just, I can't yeah. wait. My final thing is I can't wait two years from now when San Francisco 49ers quarterback Zach Wilson goes on pardon my take to discuss even yeah. his fun tenure with the Jets. <laughs> That'll too. be fun. It'll just be a cycle that we go on. Yeah, I mean, the Jets have really killed quarterbacks over and over again, and Darnold's one of the ones that we we witnessed. So yeah. it, it's tough for them to, to get back out there in media. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Definitely. All right. Well, we're not here to talk about the, you know, quarterbacks aren't here anymore. Let's get into some new stuff that's going on with the jets. Um, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. We've talked about it, you know, since he was cut from the Minnesota Vikings, but uh, one of the recent news pieces to float around is Dalvin cook's agent. I've uh, been adding a little bit more fuel to the uh, fire in regards to him potentially connecting up in New York. Um, his agent said there, you know, when speaking on the jets and Aaron Rodgers, he said, they're all in. They want to win a Super Bowl. They want to bring a Super Bowl to New York City. They brought in an incredible first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback. Those types of players aren't just out there like that. Um, and then he continued on with Rodgers as well, too. That guy is a complete franchise city changing player. And that's somebody that you absolutely want to play with at some point in your career. One hundred percent. Now, that last line there, when talking about obviously knowing that one of his more high profile clients is an available free agent you know people start to connect the dots obviously there's been some rumors between the jets between miami um, when you hear those quotes do you get a little excited there how does that uh, feel seeing you know these connections being you know pushed along a little bit further yeah it, it's i don't know how to feel really it's it's um you know they've continued to kind of be in the mix the jets in this dalvin cook situation but for some reason, I kind of am just like, I don't think it's going to happen. I yeah. think that him going somewhere else makes more sense. Um, I may be being selfish. Full disclosure, I have Brees Hall on my dynasty team. If you've <laughs> listened, we've talked about that before. Yeah. And the Dalvin Cook news is getting me more and more nervous. Wait, 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 wait. Let's um, time out, time out. We're stopping right there. What matters more to you? Your dynasty football team or the Jets having no, like no, a, no. as loaded of a roster as possible? Well, no, it's it's the Jets. It's the Jets. And, okay. and I'm very – I will can, <laughs> I will hold the take that Dalvin Cook signing with the Jets will – is like a good thing for them to do, Great especially thing. if they want to win yeah. a Super Bowl, especially. But my selfish side has started coming out of me being oh like – Oh, my God. I kind of just want to roll with the, with the couple guys we have. Oh, my God. No, but, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, but you know, I'm still in on it as a Jets fan. Obviously, I do think, you know, unless the Jets really want him, and we get to that point where he's ready to sign, and they're like, we think this is a player who's gonna, you know, help put us over that hurdle to be able to win a championship. Like, if that's how they feel about him, then I think they'll be able to get it done. But I, I truly, when I think about like the Dolphins or the Patriots, were kind of the other two names in the mix. Um, to me, it just seems more likely that they would kind of like pony up and pay him at the end of the day. And you got to think some of the reason he's waiting is because he's hoping he can, for some reason, get a better offer and counter it and whatever. Um, so I don't know, like to me, my gut feeling is telling me it's not going to happen. Obviously it'd be a great thing, but that's kind of where I am with it. And we'll see the news and the jets continuing to be in the mix. But part of me thinks, Right now, the Jets' role is to just get the other teams to bite. Yeah, to me, you know, this came a little bit after there were reports that Dalvin Cook did turn down a deal that he was offered by the Miami Dolphins. There was an offer out there, and I don't think he necessarily said no, but he was like, not right now, I'm still waiting out the market. And then when I hear 
the agent come out and praise New York because it hasn't come out yet that New York has made an offer. Correct. I, I haven't seen anything that they've, they've I haven't seen that, they, but they've just been connected. Exactly. So when I see that and I see him come out and be like, the Jets are all in, the Jets want to win a Super Bowl. You know, they're praising Aaron Rodgers. Like to me, that is like, hey, Miami, do you want to be all in? Right. Do you want to be winning a Super Bowl right now? Like, come pay Dalvin Cook and don't let him go to one of your other competitors, not alone just in the AFC, but in the AFC East. And maybe he's also saying it to New England. To me, it's it's always felt like, and I know New England's kind of come along recently because there's been those connections of DeAndre Hopkins going along wherever Dalvin Cook might sign. And he has some heavy interest in the Patriots as well as the Titans. Um so if you're connecting dots where the two make the most sense to join together, it would be New England. So I, I I do believe, though, that Dalvin has more to gain from going in Miami. I think financially, people talk about it every time. No no state income tax in Florida. You make a lot more money when True. you play for the Miami Dolphins. So in that first contract, and he's looking to get good money, he will be paid handsomely there. Um, and then also, he's really going to be the lead back of that backfield. And, and to start off the season with the Jets, sure. He would be until Brees really comes along. But even in New England, he's got to fight with Ramondre, and eventually he'd have to fight with with Brees for uh, a role there. So when I look at this, I see it, and I'm like, this is really cool that his agent is doing this. I think it would be an awesome fit to bring him in. We've seen this, this running scheme implemented by Nathaniel Hackett do really well in Green Bay with two all-purpose running backs. You know, most notably, it started off with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, but then you saw, you know, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon kind of take form and to have that one-two punch where both are good running the football, both are good with the, the ball in their hands in the receiving game. I think it would be a really great fit, but when I think of where this is going to go, I think this is more just like, hey, Miami, up your offer because we know that this is really what you want at the end of the day. You don't want him going to the Jets. You don't want him going to the Dolphins. Just pay a little bit more because Dalvin Cook wants to be there. Yeah, I'm pretty in line with you. I do I do just want to put it out there. I 100% think that Dalvin Cook signing with the Jets would be a good move by the yes, Jets. I, I, know. I, did, I had to give you shit. I had to give you shit when you brought up your dynasty. Team. I also, I like, come on. Come on. I, yeah, no, I get you. Um, I had something else to say about Dalvin Cook, but it is escaping my <laughs> I, memory. At if you, moment. if while you, while you think about it, I can go along. I also think as well too, um, this offensive system that you know everybody is like, you can really just plug it, plug and play any running back into it, and it goes well. And this started off in San Francisco beforehand. It was wherever Shanahan and 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 this. Um, I, I'm even blanking on Miami's head coach's name, so now I'm doing a U as well too. McDaniel. McDaniel. So. So, yep, so Mike McDaniels. Um, and then even with LaFleur, it's like, oh, you can plug and play any any running back there. But then when you saw San Francisco trade for Christian McCaffrey, you're like, hey, yeah, we can float any running back in there. It'll be fine. But when we have one of the best running backs in football, we're pretty fucking lethal. I think Miami should look at that and be like, hey, Dalvin Cook is a really good running back, and he's got a lot left in the tank. Like, he, yes, we could be fine with whoever we've got on our depth chart right now, but, like, let's just go get a top guy and really ramp up this offense. Take Lex, even less pressure off Tua, even though he barely has to do anything in that offense, but just stay upright. Um, you know, I, I, I think the Miami fit for Cook and the Dolphins just makes way too much sense. Yeah. So when I see the quote, I'm like, thank you, but I don't think it's it, with the intention of being, like, pushing Dalvin to New York City. Yeah. I mean, when you play the depth chart game, you're, you're exactly right. The the Dolphins, you know, they don't have a top guy. They don't have Reese and they don't have Ramondre. Um, so it does make a lot of sense. I do think 
this is one of those moments like where we both were just like, you know, I'm feeling pretty good that this isn't going to happen for the Jets. Like this is one of those things where like tomorrow Dalvin is going to happen fine with the Jets. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Which, you know, if that's a little black magic, we're going to play. I'm cool with that. Um, I guess my last question on this and maybe to wrap it up is just do you think that Dalvin Cook does not want to participate in training camp? and is going to wait until the second or third week of training camp to sign with a team, as some veterans have been known to do, to just avoid having to go to training camp? That's a great question. Because um, I do think the delay is likely, you know, you want to get better suitors in, and you want to see if there's an injury that someone's willing to pay up for you. And, yeah. and I'm sure there's parts of that, but there also might be part of it where he's just like, look, I'll sign with you in due time right now you guys are the best offer but i'm just gonna hold out a little bit because i don't feel like i mean obviously he wouldn't say that but that could be in his mind right well i mean you know players are now just like coughing up 100 grand just to not go to otas so yeah why why you know put the wear and tear on that if you know like if dalvin cook's sitting there he's like well i've i've been an all pro-ish or pro bowl type running back um, you know, 27, 20, I've had a few injuries. Like, why do I need to be there in, in the early yeah. parts of August? Like, let me show up for the beginning of the season. I'll keep training by myself because every, you know, top athlete now has their own training staff essentially working with them. So, yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And, and that's probably why they're holding out, too. And then there's also that that instance where, like, say, say an injury happens to, you know, uh, and this is like a knock on wood because I don't want injuries for any player. But say, like, Isaiah Pacheco goes down and then the Chiefs are sitting there like, fuck. And then he Dalvin's like, oh, Kansas City's available. The reigning Super Bowl champs with Patrick Mahomes, that it, you know, instantly becomes a better option for him. So there's no harm in him waiting until the last possible second because it only drives up the price and drives up the opportunities that may open up as well, too. So it's a great point. And not having to go to training camp because uh, you know, some some guys really don't want to sit out there in the in the the dog days of summer, especially if you're going down in Miami, Miami in August. I'm sure they train a little bit further north, but like, man, that would be brutal. Yeah, hot, hot, hot up here in New York during August in those weeks, man. Final prediction. Yeah, it really is. Final prediction. Where Where do you think? Because we've talked about Dalvin a few times now. Like, where do you think it is? I mean, I think we both feel Miami is the answer yeah. right now. Um, yeah. You know. Yeah. But I do think there's definitely a world where there's a training camp injury and, you know, things get shaken up that way where he would sign somewhere else. I will at least say I do think it's more likely that he goes to that he goes to New York than New England. Like I know New England's kind of snuck in there recently, but I think I think he would be I think he would benefit more going to New York than New England. Like I I just at the end of the day, I like I look at New England right now and I look at, you know, like a five hundred ish type team. And right. sure New England has been, you know, outside of the last few years, you know, consistency over the last, you know, two decades. But I just I don't know if there's a ton for him to gain from him going there and then splitting with Ramondre. Whereas like, you know, if Brees is not ready for the first four to six weeks and it's maybe it's not that he's you know, not on the field entirely, but maybe he's just taking RB two ish role. That's a good start for Dalvin cook to then really, you know, earn his reps. And, and, and he's all focused on his next contract. He is not necessarily like, like, sure. He wants to go and help a team win. I'm I, I'm sure. But in this situation, you know, he's not on the Vikings because he wanted a longer term deal and to keep his salary high. And now he's in that prove it situation. So Miami one jets two, and, and new England or any crapshoot would be below that for me. Yeah, to me, if it's New England, it's, you know, a money play. It's crazy. They offer yeah. the most money. Yeah, you know? yep, yeah. All right, well, moving on, you know, Teddy, we were going to 
really not have a ton outside of that. And then our, you know, continuation of New York versus the world. Um, but then mid midday today, when we're recording this, we got some, some fiery debates on Twitter over some, some great cornerbacks, by the way, like we're going to get in talking about these names and, and we're all fighting against one here as a group. He's also a great cornerback. So I, I don't want to mm-hmm. throw any shade on him, but uh, a poll came out an ESPN poll of uh, players, coaches, and executives ranked all the top cornerbacks in the league. Sauce Gardner was ranked number two, uh, just behind Patrick Sertain of Denver. Um, and so that poll was put out there and Asante Samuel, former uh, New England Patriot, uh, former, I believe Eagle as well too. And then spent a couple of years yes. with the Falcons. He took to Twitter, quote, tweeted that poll and said, quote, the New York media will take your career to another level. Um, he would then continue on to say, for the record, Tariq Woolen uh, of the Seattle Seahawks had a better rookie season. They both played outstanding. But what in the hell do y'all be watching? Y'all are highly influenced by the media, not facts. Uh, this just opened up like the floodgates and, and and Sauce got involved. We then had Darrell Revis get involved. There was a whole lot of clashing on Twitter. Uh, just, you know, some of the highlights when Revis, Revis was on a flight and when he landed, he decided it was time to chime in. Uh, Darrell said, quote, quit being a hater when it comes to rising stars at the cornerback position. Be mad at the voters who never considered you shut down. I was never inspired to watch your film, but something does jog my memory. I do remember we played the Falcons and coach Rex Ryan made a highlight clip of you being double moved on almost every single route. I recall Rex saying to his receivers in our weekly team meeting, if he lines up across me, you double move him every time. And then he went on to say in practice as well, too. He was like double. They would just like joke around saying double move corner uh, to him. And that was just their jab at Asante. So everybody started talking shit to each other. Uh, Sauce, I thought, handled it better than anybody. He took to it and said, I don't need you challenging me to do nothing after all this subtweeting you've been doing when you could have just hit me privately like all the other OGs. You got to relax me personally. I've never been the hating type. I just said all of the the main points that I took from it. Anything else that I was missing? What were your thoughts on the beef? It was a very fun and entertaining conversation. Yeah, no, I mean, for anyone, you you, you did a good job hitting the highlights. I would recommend just going and reading through all of them between Hilarious. Revis and him and, and Sauce and him because it's just fun to kind of see the back and forth and see Asante Samuel just kind of like lose his own argument by, you know, having arguments where interceptions are the most important, but then he's saying Sertan's the best because of production and Patrick Sertan has the same amount of interceptions as Scott Gardner last year. There's all these different contradictions. Um, I will say, you know, I saw this post, the top 10 cornerback list, and I didn't see any of the, the rest of this until you had let me know a couple hours ago. You're like, oh, did you see all this beef going down? I was like, oh, I yeah. haven't been on my phone much. Um, but my first reaction to the post, I saw it and I said, it's going to piss me off if sauce isn't high enough on this list, yeah. you know? And then I swiped and I saw him at number two and I was like, okay, fuck yeah. Like, that's awesome. Right. And um, the Tariq Woolen comment uh, where Asante Samuel says, for the record, Tariq Woolen of the Seattle Seahawks, their uh, first-round cornerback pick, or maybe not first-round. Yeah, no, he's um, a later. Had day, a better yeah. rookie season. Tariq Woolen did have a good season, and, and good. was you know a top rookie, and and was was if it wasn't for Sauce Gardner, he would have been the defensive rookie of the year. You know, mm-hmm. yep. um, but my thing with Sauce Gardner. Number one, Woolen is ranked higher than him on Madden, which is also blasphemous. 
Um, but the Wait, thing with really? Sauce Gardner, yep, I didn't see yep, that. Sauce is like a ninety. Willen's a ninety-three. Um, I, you know, I'm a big Jets fan, and I watched every single snap of football that the Jets took last year. And let me tell you something: you always pay more attention when the rookies are involved. Like Sauce Gardner's season last year was so unbelievable and so shut down. Like, you know. I haven't watched every snap of a ton of cornerbacks careers, but it's like, I've never seen anything like that. And it's like, sure. You could argue that he could have had more interceptions, but just the fact he was able to, to truly be a shutdown corner and like really not let up a touchdown, you know, the whole year, I think depending on where you look sauce gave up anywhere from zero to two touchdowns last year. But mm-hmm. both of those touchdowns, if you go back and look at the plays, it's pretty obvious it wasn't his guy initially. Yep. Um, it's just like the sauce hate to me, like like to see Asante Samuel come out and say the things he said and be like, clearly, you know, you guys aren't watching and you're letting the media overhype. It's like clearly you weren't watching because if you sit down and watch every snap that Sauce Gardner took last year, like you're going to see a really, really good cornerback. If you watch every target that Sauce Gardner had last year, you're going to see incompletion after incompletion after incompletion. And a lot of them are, you know, because of his technique, because of his ability to play the ball perfectly, because of his ability to break things up late. Like Sauce Gardner is that dude. And so for like Asante Samuel, who has gone after Revis before, like yeah. they've had beef. Yep. For this to all just be happening, it's like it, it, this guy clearly has a vendetta against the Jets, you know, and and has let Darrell Rivas really, really affect him and live in his mind. But any Sauce Gardner hate, like saying like, oh, you guys let the media overhype him. You clearly didn't watch. He wasn't that good. Like that is the most ridiculous thing in the world. Like go watch every single Sauce play, every target, and you will be like, wow. You know, I it's funny, like looking through Asante Samuel's career and just like, OK, refresh, because, you know, his early his prime years really were, you know, 2003 to 2011. I wasn't as in tune with the NFL as I am now. And you look at, you know, some of his career highlights and what is his probably, you know, the thing that he maybe holds himself to the most is that he led the league in interceptions in two or three different seasons. So I think he looks at that as like, that's my best case to being like a shutdown corner. So he takes a look and that's maybe why the subtle jabs come in at, at you know, cause Revis is big thing as well too. I, you know, he, you would assume he has a bajillion more career interceptions than he actually does, but it's that same thing. It was like, people don't throw at him. People didn't right. throw at Durrell. People do and, not throw at sauce. And that's yeah. really, to me, like, you're you're being if you're tested a lot as a cornerback that's a bigger sign of like we think we can beat you versus we're just not going to throw your way and and the defenses do that as well too you know you we obviously the jets faced a lot of talented teams and a lot of talented receivers and and a lot of the time it was sauce just kind of on an island against the number two while you had reed and the safety over top of the team's number one so you're like okay no he wasn't always on a jamar chase or a stefan Diggs, but he was he was shutting down he, he was a shutdown corner in his rookie season and it was almost instantly it was like from week one it wasn't like he yeah. just came on strong in week 10 it was for the entire season a lockdown cornerback um so yeah you know we're, we're all talking we're talking about four great cornerbacks and four I'm just throwing in Tariq Woolen because I feel like he just he didn't ask for any of this you know I'm sure he didn't yeah. ask for us and he was great last year he was a really, really good was. cornerback great cornerback yeah. um 
but yeah, I just, it's like you said, it's, it's someone that's claiming that he watches when he's just looking at numbers and yeah, I mean, I mean, sauces was undeniably a top two to four cornerback it's hard in football to, yeah, last year Yeah, as a rookie. And I just want to double down on what you said about like the lack of interception numbers like that. I used to always watch and and I watched a couple of those like one interception, two interception years from Revis, you know, but it really was like they're not throwing the ball. At no. Him. And no one, you know, even sauce last year, like Revis could cover a half like he would play. They would just leave him all alone, you know, and yep. everyone else would be on the other side of the field. Called so, an island for a reason. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason that Darrell Revis is known as, you know, a top five cornerback all time. And and this is funny, but Blake texted me, he said, you see what Asante Samuel did? Like, I like Asante Samuel. I know he was a Patriot, but he was an Eagle back when I used to like the Eagles. You know, he I've always been a fan of his and he was good on the Patriots. It wasn't like he was bad. No. Um, So it's it's an interesting thing, but it's funny that this beef is coming up and it, again, it's just, he's clearly, you know, to be like, to, to think sauce Gardner's being overhyped. It's like, well, you didn't watch because he was that good. Yep. Exactly. <clears throat> so, yep. Yeah, all my homies hate Asante Samuel. That's uh fuck. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see Asante where that Samuel goes. Dead to me now. Well, because it, it's one of those now. things now too, where like the argument's been sparked, and if Asante wants to really just keep himself on Twitter throughout the football season, we're just gonna need to keep track of of a. We're gonna have, need an Asante yeah. Samuel tracker out there for the next five to six months. Yeah, if Sox Gardner does like let up a touchdown or something. Yeah, you know, he'll he's be gonna he's in. gonna post the highlight video. He's gonna be doing film yeah. study on on Sauce Gardner. Yeah. That'll be fucking amazing. <laughs> That'll be great. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Fuck well, you. Well, Fuck Teddy, you. let's uh let's move it on then. Let's let's take a look at um let's take a look at our our series of uh New York versus the world. Our first two weeks we started off with the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, most recently the Buffalo Bills. We've been going in order of Super Bowl favorite odds. And um this is I think the the crop that the last team that we hit before we get to the Jets in terms of Super Bowl odds, I believe as, as far as the AFC goes. It's the Chiefs, it's uh, the Bills, then the Bengals, and then the Jets are in that mix with like the Ravens and the Jaguars are pretty high up there as well, two Chargers in the mix. So um, these are really the the three, and this is the third of the final of the ones that people say are like definitely more favored to win a title than the New York Jets. Um, so again, for those of you that might be tuning into this series for the first time, we are going position group by position group, uh, you know, talking through each of the team's rosters, which we think are more favorable. And then kind of just getting a, an assessment of where we think the Jets are in terms of AFC uh, competitors. Anything I'm missing, Teddy? No, I think Pretty you're good. right on. All right, cool. Well, let's start into it. You know, this one, uh, always starting off at quarterback has been a funny one because this is the Jets' first time having like an elite, elite quarterback. Yet the first two weeks, we are paired up with Patrick Mahomes. We both took Mahomes. Then Josh Allen. We both took Josh Allen. And now we're sitting here with Joe Burrow. Um, personally, I think Joe Burrow is like the coolest motherfucker in the world. I he's he's just it's it's I am with you. It's not even to the like he he does have elite talent. He doesn't have the craziest arm. He doesn't have the arm like a Mahomes or an Allen, but he's got a really accurate arm, um, and it's strong enough. And he's just he's he's poised. You, you do not see him get rattled. Yeah. It's very Brady. 
reminiscent where it's just like any situation, any circumstance. I mean, what were they down? 21 nothing or 21 something in the AFC title game? I believe. Yep. In, in the AFC title game, they come back and they rip that off against the, the Chiefs and make it to a Super Bowl. Um, so they've they've been that far. They were in the AFC title game last year, just absolutely annihilated Buffalo in that divisional round. Um, we might get to a point where I start picking Rodgers, um, but it's not this week. To Joe <laughs> Burrow greater than Aaron Rodgers at this. No, point. yeah, this is this is one where I agree with you. Uh, you know, solely based off on principle, I feel like uh, like. Aaron Rodgers, again, I, I said this last week, I'll repeat myself, but I put him in that group of, of the quarterbacks who can, you know, win a Super Bowl for a team and be an elite, you know, top five, top 10 quarterback. Um, but with that being said, when I take a step back and look at this league, you know, the top quarterbacks in my mind are Mahomes and Allen and Herbert and Burrow you know, and, and those are kind of like the guys that you think of. So, you know, just cause Aaron Rodgers is now on the jets, <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to be ranking him above Joe Burrow. Right. Uh, you're exactly right. Joe Burrow, you know, makes all the plays and just consistently, consistently is cool, calm and collected and is just able to, it's kind of like Aaron Rodgers, as he reminds me of, and just the way that he's like able to, you know, be composed and just like make plays late in games. He obviously doesn't have that kind of huge arm um, that Rodgers might have, but, but watching Joe Burrow over the past couple of years ha has been a blast and, you know, I'll, I'll allow Cincinnati to have the nod here. Yeah. Highest. I, one of the higher IQs, you don't see him get fooled too often. You know, I think, you know, you can see Mahomes get a little too – or not Mahomes, but Allen. And Mahomes a little bit at times too, but I was mostly being Allen get a little yeah. frazzled at times. Joe is just calm, cool, and collected. Um, and, and he had to take a beating there for a few years. So, yeah, both of us on Burrow. Yeah. Don't worry, Rodgers. Maybe at some point, you know, I'll pick you over Trevor Lawrence. I'll, yeah, and I don't even – I think it's like tears, you know. Like Rodgers is right there kind of on yeah. that list of like guys who are really good that you trust, that you know are going to make the right decisions, like all that stuff. But – you know, Joe Burrow is a 24, 25, 26-year-old quarterback. I, I, the reason I added a couple times is because I know he was an older player coming out of the draft. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, he is. But, you know, Aaron Rodgers is 40, other side of his career, where Joe Burrow is kind of right at his at his peak. So, Oh, yeah, definitely. All right, well, Teddy, let's move along. I wonder if there's along. any Jets fans out there that get pissed when we, when we don't pick Rodgers over these guys. Any there listeners can't be. are like there can this be. guy again. I know there, they, they can't there be. Can't be. Like these are three that jets. like I, I I think if people I think people will start to argue people will argue with Herbert. I'm just gonna say it right now. I'm gonna pick Herbert. Um people will see get I think mad. Herbert's above Joe Burrow, in my opinion. Yeah, talent wise, talent wise. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Um so I think that yeah. Yeah, people people would be mad. I think we'd get a lot of people that would be mad if we picked Lamar. Yeah, Lamar's get a good mad. one. People uh, hate Lamar. Not me. I don't think I don't think either of us would put Lawrence above him just yet. So I don't think we have to worry it's, about people. That's but an people interesting would be, one though. Because I'm a big Lawrence one. guy. I'm I'm a yeah. big. Uh, How could you not be? You know, I think Last he's season, that dude. He turned it on. Yeah. We'll get there. We'll get to those couple. We got time. Yeah. Um, moving along to the running game here. Uh, Couple of losses for for the Bengals. Um, you know, Samaj P. Ryan was a really good RB two for them. He's now in Denver. 
Um, Teddy has made him available on the trade lock. If, if you're anybody in our dynasty league that wants to go and get him, who's also listening to the show. Um, yeah, but he's going to ball this year. Just wait. Yeah, sure. So uh, the running game now for Cincinnati looks like still Joe Mixon at the top, but then you've got Chase Brown, Travion Williams, and Chris Evans um, rolling out the, the uh, back end of that depth chart. And for the jets, Brees, Michael Carter, Izzy, and bam. Um, I love Joe Mixon. I'm a big Joe Mixon guy, uh, but uh, the the depth beyond him is worrisome. And I still think Brees is at his best, a better running back than Joe Mixon. This one didn't take much time for me to think I'm going with the Jets. Yeah, I exactly agree with what you said there. I, I think Joe Mixon's a great player, but I think Brees, a healthy Brees is a better player. And I think our depth kind of blows theirs out of the water. Mm-hmm. Um, they're in an interesting predicament with their running back room because for a while it seemed like they were going to cut Joe Mixon. Now all signs point to that they're going to get a deal done. Yeah. Um, it's just a little odd because for a while it really did feel like he's going to be playing somewhere else this year, but then they didn't really make any moves. So when you look at, you know, right. they got rookie, I believe Chase Brown's a rookie, right? They just drafted and then yeah. Travion Williams is there too, who's like been around and hasn't really ever played. I think he has like under 20 carries in his career. Um, so yeah, I mean the Jets, the Jets here win this one pretty easily. Very easily. Um, and, and to move on to something that I think is also an easy conversation. Let's talk receivers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I we had we had fun conversations when it came to the uh to the Chiefs and the Bills because the Chiefs have an elite option in Travis Kelsey and then some meh and the Bills have an elite option in Diggs and then some meh. So there was good conversations here, but the Bengals roll out uh, the best receiving core in football, at least as the top three wide receivers go, it's Jamar Chase, it's T Higgins and it's Tyler Boyd. They also bring in Irv Smith Jr. from the Minnesota Vikings as their you know, starting tight end. Um, and then the Jets, you know, Garrett Wilson, Alan Lazard, Corey Davis, Conklin, um, if you want to throw out Uzama because he used to be a Bengal, you could throw him in there. Yeah, too. we know our boys. I won't listen to any arguments. It is uh, the Bengals. Yeah, yeah, this one's this one's easy. It, the reason I laughed when we brought this up is because I remember two years ago. I'm trying to remember the exact group, but it was like it was like Corey Davis, Denzel Mims, Braxton Berrios, and like and and Jets fans were like, "Do the Jets have the best top four receivers in the league?" And it's like, why are we saying things like no. that? You know, and then you look at a receiving core like this. Yeah. Um, and, we're Tyler, you know, we're, uh, Tyler Boyd know. is an absolutely awesome player and has been for years. And he's kind of like an afterthought when you got, you know, like if Garrett Wilson is as good as T Higgins, we're going to be super excited about that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he, yeah. like, like T Higgins is a really, really good player. He'd be a number one receiver on a lot of player. teams. Right. Almost anywhere yep. else. Yeah. He's a top 15 player probably at the receiving position. So yeah, and I won't, then, oh, I won't argue have... with you there. We'll give that to the, the Bengals. Yeah. Yeah. So Bengals take quarterback and receiver. We got the jets with the running game. Let's go have the conversation over the offensive line. Um, really strong tackle duo for the Bengals. They've got Orlando Brown jr. On the left side, Jonah Williams on the right interior is slated to be, and this could change, but right now projected as Cordell Volson, Ted Karras at center and Alex Kappa, former Buccaneer guard at right guard. The Jets, we know our guys, Dwayne Brown, Lakin, hopefully Tipman, ABT, and hopefully Becton on the right tackle. Teddy, how do you feel about the offensive line for Cincinnati? Yeah, yeah. I got to I gotta say, on our third go-around of this exercise, I'm realizing that that the O-line is really just not a fun one to do nope. um, for us right now because 
when you compare when you can when you look at the Jets offensive line, it is really hard to say like, okay, where do we put this group? Because, you know, there is definitely upside and there's ceiling and there's, you know, it could be a really good group and there's yeah. a lot, but really uh, an analogy I was thinking of, you know, and you don't play Madden, so you'll probably talk shit to me, but you know, when you play <laughs> Madden or any no. sports game really, and you like are recruiting or, or, you know, scouting and a lot of times there's, there's, uh, rankings that are question marks you know they don't tell you how the player grades out until you like scout them and for me like this this Jets offensive line it's like okay you got an A plus in Elijah Vera Tucker at one of the guard spots and then it to me it's just four question marks it's like where are we going to land with these guys and you know I'd love to sit here and be like we're going to be awesome you know we drafted a guy Lakin should bounce back as a veteran who's had good years we have two tackles that are really highly talented that we believe in but there's just the for every single one of those players there's that other side of the coin where it's like maybe things don't work out so it's really hard to say this is like a top tier group and then you look at you know this Cincinnati line which which you know a year and a half ago it would be very easy to say hey they don't have the best line that's something they're really struggling with you know two off seasons ago but over the past two years, you know, since drafting Jamar Chase, they have, you know, in spite of everyone saying they should have taken a tackle, they have really, um, you know, played very well and been a good, good offensive line. So to me, this one goes to the uh, Bengals. And, you know, then when you kind of look, it's like, okay, the only place that I ranked the Jets better is the running game. But I don't think that's really that big of a deal because this Bengals offense is, you know, one of the best offenses and one of the most talented in the league. So it doesn't like stress me out terribly that that, you know, we're one out of four here. But um, I think it's fair to to put the uh, Bengals line above the Jets, along with the quarterback and the receivers. Yeah. And this kind of almost in a way ties into the quarterback conversation that we were just having is like. There is a situation where this offensive line is one of the better versions the Jets have had in the last seven years. You know, if if Becton can stay healthy and he's on a prove-it situation, if Dwayne Brown still got gas left in the tank at 38, 39 years old, say like you said that uh, Lakin has a bounce-back year, if Tittman is a a ready start and play center, ABT, like you said, there's no questions about Like There is a situation where this still is one of the best offensive lines that the Jets have had in quite some time, but that doesn't mean that it's not, you know, that it's one of the top four or five units in all of football. So I think the Jets have done a good job shorting this up. They, uh, I also, you know, we have more depth now than we had before that are like, okay, yep. If Max Mitchell, we've seen him start a few games, say that he has to go in there. Um, you know, we draft a third round guy at a pit. So it is your, it's the same with the quarterback. We're like, we can be excited and hopeful about this position um, more so than we have been in quite some time, but that doesn't mean it's necessarily at an elite level yet. And the Bengals isn't necessarily elite either interior. They're definitely still a little bit on the weak side, but, They've done a great job in free agency trade market as well too. going and getting Orlando Brown jr. From now, was he Ravens to chiefs to, to Bengals or was it Ravens, Ravens to, to Bengals? Yes. Ravens to chiefs to Bengals. Nope. Yep. Yep. There you wow. Go. Look at him just jumping all around. There. Cause I remember we wanted him. We wanted him and then he signed with the, with the Bengals. Yeah. Ah! So now he's or not the Bengals, the um, chiefs. So yeah, but everybody's I, jumping I don't around know. at this point. I might be getting it. But regardless, yeah, sitting here 
offensively, like you said, the Bengals are one of the best teams in football. They've been in two straight AFC title games. They went to Super Bowl two years ago. It's not the end of the world to say that they're better on offense than the New York Jets at this point. So let's kick things over to the defense, Theodore. Uh, fun fact that you've put in here for us as well, too. The Bengals are set to return every starting defensive lineman, linebacker, and cornerback from last season. That's pretty crazy. There's not a huge uh, – not <clears throat> not that often that that happens there for a team. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think the Jets are close. The, the Jets that, have a lot. You know, without all 11. They might have nine, eight or nine. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to, to do this comparison – Especially, I feel like the Bengals and Jets had very similar paths over the past few years, you know, and, and the Bengals were kind of one year ahead of the Jets in terms of, you know, drafting the guy you hope to be your quarterback high and putting together your defense, getting a couple of playmakers. Like we were kind of doing everything they did a year later. Yeah. Um, obviously, we missed the mm. quarterback with, with our drafting Just and, a little bit. and weren't able to, to kind of do what they did um with with drafting Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase but their defense similar to the Jets kind of took this turn from like being one of the worst to being one of the best very quickly and over the past two years they've been you know like a hot unit um so I I think this is kind of an interesting one to get into just because the Bengals and Jets both have shown immense improvement in, in their defense over the past couple of years so it'll be interesting to kind of break down where we think we land yeah, definitely. I think the most interesting one is the defensive line, too, which is where we'll kick things off as well. So uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals, they've got Sam Hubbard, uh, former third or second round pick out of Ohio State at one of the edge spots. They've got DJ Reader and BJ Hill. BJ Hill, one of the biggest motherfuckers in football, like a massive human being. I I, I keep saying big motherfuckers, don't I? I feel like that's been a that's been a, a big talking point of me or the big yeah, beefy maybe. motherfuckers in the middle. So DJ it's Reader and BJ Hill there. Trey Hendrickson, uh, former New Orleans Saint. He came over to the Bengals when we acquired Carl Lawson in free agency. So they kind of swapped him in. He had a fantastic season last year. They also have rookie, there's a second year player, Miles Murphy out of Clemson. Uh, Joseph Asai, a former third round pick from, I believe, Texas. We know the Jets guys. We've said every episode. I don't need to go into every guy here. Um, Teddy, where do you stand in this comparison between Two yeah. talented defensive lines. This is a close one. Uh, I do want to start with where my brain first goes when I was comparing this group, and it is 100% on Trey Hendrickson. And, you know, him being kind of our top target two years ago yeah. and with Lawson kind of being the number two, Hendrickson signs the deal with, with the Bengals, Lawson comes to the Jets, which, you know, we were all excited about. But Hendrickson has gone and had two just absolutely fantastic years. Anytime you watch the Bengals, he's popping off the screen. And it's just kind of like, damn, you know, I wish we could have had that with Carl Lawson. But unfortunately, we had the injury. And, you know, last year he was pretty good, but coming off the injury a little slow. Um, so that sucks. And that is obviously a nod to the Bengals. I do lean the Jets. Um and it, it's obviously very close, but the reason that I lean the Jets is is number one, depth, and number two, the Bengals do definitely have good players. You know, like you said, Sam Hubbard, B.J. Hill, Trey Hendrickson, like those are big names. But when I think of Quinn and Williams, who I think is a top, you know, two, three, four defensive tackle in the league, and then pairing that with, you know, 
I don't know exactly who's going to be the best edge rusher on the Jets this year between Carl Lawson and Jermaine Johnson and Will McDonald, but I very much have a feeling that one of those guys is going to have like an absolutely monster year. Um, you know, Carl Lawson, another year removed from the injury. He was a great player, consistently beating his man off the line. Wouldn't be shocked at all to see him kind of be that guy. And then Jermaine Johnson and Will McDonald both, you know, they both have immense speed off the line. They both are going to kind of like, I don't think Will McDonald will take as long to kind of get the reps up the way that Jermaine Johnson did. Um, so I think those guys are going to be effective. And, and, and I, you know, I really believe in this Jets D line. So it's a close one for me, but I'm going to lean Jets. Do you agree with me here? I agree that it's close. And we had this conversation with the Bills last week where I was like, do I do I value the high-end talent or the depth more? Because I do believe still that the Jets have more depth, and, and then that's a defensive tackle especially. I think they've got more pieces there. Um, I think you're betting on where you said is – you said you made this point as well too where you were like, you know, we're, we've been a year behind the Bengals, and right now we've got two edge rushers in Jermaine Johnson and Will McDonald that we are like, let's push them upward. Let's get them ascending in there and – the Bengals have already kind of started that with a guy like Joseph Asai. Um, Sam Hubbard is a guy that really isn't a high sack guy, but he's a, just a, a, a three down player, good edge rusher to have there. Miles Murphy is another guy where you're like, okay, a young talent as well too. I think though, stylistically, it's so interesting because the Jets have a lot of guys that can do a lot at the same time. It's a lot of, you know, like a John Franklin Myers can be inside and outside and they're trying to do the same thing now with Michael Clemens as well too, where they're moving them inside and outside and you've got, you know, an all-purpose, um, you know, you've got a beefy motherfucker in there and Quinnen, that's a three-down player. But really, there's a lot of guys that do a lot of other things for you defensively. It's not like they're just a one-trick pony. Outside of Sam Hubbard, the the Bengals' D-line is a lot of one-trick ponies, but they're all really good at that one trick. So it's like you're getting the best version of that one trick there, whereas I feel like the depth really not even plays into just the names for the Jets, but also the, their versatility. If I'm just taking talent, I am going to go with the Bengals at this moment. Um, I especially think where I believe Quinnen is the best defensive tackle there. I like the the DJ Reader-Hill pairing. I think they work really well together on the interior. And I'm also thinking Trey Hendrickson is the best edge of that group. So it's super close. I could flip a coin on it just for the sake of like me thinking if I'm putting four guys out there, and again, we're doing the whole depth chart. So maybe that's where I'm not giving enough fairness here to, you know, how the Jets can go eight deep there. And, and they're especially more deep at defensive tackle than the Bengals are. But who would I be more afraid of? A lineup of Sam Hubbard, Reader, Hill, and Hendrickson, I think scares me a little bit more if I'm an opposing team's offense than the Jets does right now, just because we haven't seen, and it's what you were saying, like we're hopeful that one of Lawson, Johnson, or Will McDonald comes in as like a sack specialist, but they have that right now in Trandrickson. Like they're set right. there with him. So I'm going to lean Bengals. I do think it is a lot closer though than, than maybe I was giving it credit for beforehand. Yeah. Like, I mean, good conversation, fair. good conversation. Yeah, It'll be I fun like to see how disagree. these units perform. Yeah. Um, I know it's going to be so fun to like retroactively look at all this yeah, stuff, you yep, know, exactly. like who were the top defenses, where, where did we think they were before the season, things like yep. that. How do our units perform in accordance to, you know, everybody else's in the NFL or in the AFC, yeah. especially. Um, yeah. So moving along, I, you know, I think the big conversation was the defensive line. Um, these linebacker and secondary ones, I think we can still have decent conversations on maybe linebacker more than anything as we'll, we'll get to secondary in a second, but linebackers, um, the Bengals, we putting out, 
uh, Logan Wilson, Jermaine Pratt, and Akeem Davis Gaither. Uh, and then we've got Mosley Sherwood and Quincy. You know, I to me, it's I'm more focused on the Wilson Pratt duo. You know, the slot linebacker. You know, whatever the you know the Akeem Davis Gaither. You know, their teams are more now in a four two five more often than not. So really, to me, it's like Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt. Um, Pratt is one of the best pass protectors uh, at the linebacker position all of football. I think he was a top five graded linebacker last year in that area. And uh, and Wilson has had a really strong couple of years. Last year was extremely um, better than the year before, especially, you know, he he developed a really good uh, pass rush um, arsenal to his game. So I lean Cincinnati. I, I am afraid, though, as we continue to go along this, like we did last year where we gave the linebacking group of the Jets like a D minus, and then they turned out to actually have a right. really strong season. I There is that fear where I'm just like, am I doing the same thing again? But in comparing these groups, I still just – I'd rather take the Chiefs, Bills, and Bengals linebacking cores over, over the Jets' current one. Yeah, I, I think this is probably the best line grouping linebacking group that we've talked about. So far, unless I'm just completely blank, I guess the Bills have. I mean, good the, the Bills with the Bills one was with Matt Milano. They bring in Leonard Floyd. They they have a they have a good one as well too. But I agree this this duo of Wilson Pratt is is right, strong. and that's where like if you look at PFF grades, all three of these guys scored really highly last season. Um, and you know they're just kind of like good players that are recognized that way. So it's definitely hard, especially when you have the Jets group of Mosley. Quincy Williams, and then you know we don't even have uh, Quan Alexander, which which was our third guy last year. You know now it's it's looking as of now like it's going to be um, Jamie and Sherwood. So I think since he's the answer here, but kind of to your point, like this is again uh, as we do this every week, it's like a really interesting kind of group to look at because you know you think about how good the Jets were last year and if we had done this exercise last year, you know, we, we would have ranked their linebackers worse than a lot of teams in the NFL, you know? And, and so it's just like this weird thing where, where, you know, maybe the jets, maybe their, you know, their hole is bigger than the sum of the parts because, because this defense last year was a top, you know, three yes. defense it, it, by a lot of metrics. Like it's really not hard to paint that story. If you want to go top five, like go for it. But it really was that great defense, but when you look at the names, it doesn't necessarily translate of, oh, this is one of the better rosters, you know, which credit obviously goes to Robert Sala. I'm going to agree with you that, that the Bengals are better here, but it it's one of those weird ones where, like, I believe in this Jets defense, but these three names don't really, like, do it for me, you know? Yeah, we're, we're essentially trying to remove these players from the rest of their situations and just saying, like, what? how do we evaluate these three? Because when you're a linebacking core that has the benefit of one of the of, of maybe the best cornerback duo in, in all of football and one of the better defensive lines in all of football, yeah, your life's going to be a little bit easier. It's like how we're saying, we've said a few times, where this entire offense next year for the Jets is just going to be better because they have a good quarterback in place. So everybody's light. Everybody makes um, Robert Sala said it before the draft when they took sauce Gardner is one hand washes the other. It's like, you can have a good pass rush, but if you also have a shutdown corner, they all work together. It's all in one unit. We're just taking a comparison of like removing these three guys from the rest of the team and then removing the linebackers of the Bengals from the rest of their defense. How do we think these players stack up? So no, I, the, talking through this now, I, I don't regrets, you know, I don't feel as bad saying that 
I think that all of these other contenders have better linebacking groups because yeah, maybe at the end of the day, these jets linebackers next year are playing on par, but they're also benefiting from, like I just said, an elite elite cornerback duo and a really good defensive line. So yeah, we're just, I we're, think we're, we're comparing position groups. That's, that's what I we're think doing. That this exercise also highlights, you know, how important like a great secondary is and how yep. important a great D line is. Um, but more so the secondary, because, you know, we're going to get into it here, but the secondary might be the only place where the jets are better, but I'd still say that the jets have a better overall defense, you know, and I'd still rank them higher if I was making an overall list of this season. Um, so that's interesting, but, but yeah, as we, as I let you think about that, (laughs) go right ahead. I'm thinking about Um, it now. Yeah, well, I guess, all right, I guess I'll lead us in with the secondaries. Um, you didn't just do this, right? No, no, I haven't done this yet. <laughs> all right, so the uh, the uh, the Bengals, they got Chidobe Awuzie, Cam Taylor-Britt, Nick Scott, and Dax Hill, you know, against um, the classic crew, this Jets secondary of Sauce and Reed at cornerback, and then Whitehead and Amos slotted in to start the year at safety. Um this one is is really easy to me, especially Super. like a Wuzier is their best player, I think, out of those four. And he's coming off the ACL yep. injury. Um, so to me, you know, this Jets secondary is like that. Their cornerbacks are like that. Um, and it's probably the weak point of the Bengals secondary um, kind of flipped of the Jets, whose weak point was the running game last year. Theirs was the passing game. Um, so this is an easy answer for me. Yeah, easiest one I think of this entire this entire series. Um, and it, it it and it just to continue off of your point is like if if the linebackers aren't super far apart, if the defensive line is essentially a coin flip, which you you lean Jets, I lean Bengals. I said we both said it was extremely close. If we think that the secondary one is not even close, like that does that right. secondary like you just said does having the better secondary here mean that the Jets have a better overall defense? I mean, that's, that's not hard to, you know, that's, that's definitely a conversation you can have. Um, and one that I almost, you know, I just hear you say, and I'm like, well, yeah, I guess I would say that I, I would take the jets because then at all three levels, I think they are closer to the top than the Bengals are at all three levels. So that's, that's interesting, but I agree. Super easy to say that the the jets have a stronger, much stronger secondary than the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah. And, and just to paint the picture a little bit more of, you know, this NFL that we're in, like, like we all know it's a a more heavily passing league. Um, And like, you look at some of these numbers from last year, like the jets, the jets total defense was fourth in yards per game, as in they gave up the fourth least amount basically. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you look at, you know, pass yards per game, they were third. So they were really good, but then rush yards a game, they were kind of in the middle of the pack, but it just kind of shows you like having that great, secondary is paramount to having a great defense you know we saw the jets struggle with some run 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 stopping last year we saw you know some of the inside linebackers struggling in coverage some of the safeties struggling in coverage but having those two just like lockdown corners really did so much for the jets defense last year um and you got to think you know with everyone else kind of taking that step forward and those two guys being there um you know I trust this secondary a lot. It's a passing league. So yeah, that position is so much more valuable than it was even, you know, 10, 15 years ago. You know, the importance of 
you know, the great linebackers of the early 2000s, like an Erlacher and a Ray Lewis, that was something that you would value way more over than any guy in the secondary. But now linebackers become one of those position groups where you're like, I mean, it's nice to have a good one, but we don't need one to be a great team. So, yeah, position positional value, always a fun one. I always I've always said the last few years, linebacker is going to be like defense or like running back of the defense. It's just some guys right. are just going to stop getting paid. Some uh, the elite talents do deserve it, but it's one of those where you're like, if we've got a great secondary, if we've got a good pass rush, can you get away with the middle yeah. of the pack? Probably. Yeah. So, so Teddy, this this brings me to something I said before the show. It's something I I think I even said last week, and so just to say it for the third or the fourth time now, I think the New York Jets and going through this are closer to the Buffalo Bills who we did last week, who are a higher betting favorite to win the Super Bowl than they are the Bengals. I think there are some position groups here where, you know, we're definitely close. Like the defensive line is super close. Um, I, but yeah, and, and quarterback isn't too far away, but I take a look at the Bengals and I see them as more of a threat in the AFC currently than I do the Buffalo Bills. After talking through this, how do you kind of feel as we look to those two? Because I think we both agree the Chiefs are still like, that top tier. And I think the bills and the Bengals are in that tier too. I just think that Vegas has this a little bit wrong where I'd be more worried about the Bengals as a threat to win the conference than I would be Buffalo. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting question because I think I might've had a different answer before we've done this. Yeah. Um, cause I have been kind of in lockstep with you thinking like more of the Bengals than I do of the bills. Um, but it's hard, you know, I, I I think the Bills kind of underperformed their roster last year. You know, yeah. I think they probably had more talent and, you know, they obviously dealt with some injuries and whatever. Vaughn, um, but yeah. Allen but was hurt. I think, you know, kind of regardless of order, I think you have that um, top three correct. And I, I agree. I think it's the Chiefs. And then I think it's Bills, Bengals right there. I, I think I do lean a little bit Bengals with you. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I don't think the Jets are f- super far off. And I think we're about to reach that point where, you know, roster wise, we're saying the Jets have, you know, around the fourth, fifth, sixth best team in the AFC um, in terms of just names. But I think it's interesting. And, and, and we say this a lot week by week, but a lot of this is really going to come down to like, you know, and I'm sure it's the same for these other teams that we're not as in depth on, but a lot of it just comes down to like, are we going to get the best case scenarios of these guys or are some of these things going to step back? You know, like how sick, how sticky is it uh, where a great defense is great the next year? You know, that doesn't always happen. How yeah. sticky is it oh, yeah. that guys that, you know, overperformed last year, are they going to continue? Or are they going to kind of go back to where they normally are? And, you know, we have a lot of young players that we're hoping. So, like, I, you know, the beauty of this Jet season is I think that, like, we have all the opportunity to do anything. And having that quarterback piece finally puts it together where, like, there's not one player that can just completely derail us from being like, okay, this is a hopeless season. But, but you know, we all want to be hyped about the Jets. The Jets have a lot to prove. You know, the Jets have not gone out there and done it. Every player on this team has not gone out there and done it. Whereas these three teams that we've talked about, you know, are coming off of three years of being the top three teams in the league, you know, and being the teams that everyone has talked about as one of these teams is going to win the Super Bowl. Um, 
so it's interesting. I, I, I think this has been healthy for me, honestly, to kind of get, yeah. get a little sense of, of this, especially, I mean, these first big three teams that we did, um, I was most excited for because they're kind of the three AFC teams everyone's been talking about the last couple of years. Um, but like I said, I don't think the Jets, while maybe behind, I think they have the, the potential to kind of make that jump. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Well, next week will be fun. I, I'm not sure if I looked who it is specifically. And and the sports book I was using is actually down for maintenance for the next few days. So but it's some tier yeah. of it's some I'm tier of Ravens, if it will Jaguars. Be Jaguars or Ravens. That's my two guesses. I'm gonna look it up right now. It's one of the two. There's no way it's Miami. There's it's not the Chargers, is it? Couldn't be the Chargers. Yeah, you're going to have to look Chiefs, up for me. Eagles, Bills, 49ers, Bengals, Cowboys, Jets, and then Ravens are next. Ravens. You know so what's Ravens funny is, is the team after the Ravens is the Lions. Are the Lions? They're in the NFC, right? Yep. Yeah, but that's still funny that they're that high up. God damn. Yeah. So, yeah, Ravens and then the next NFL. So, the Ravens are at plus 1,800, Jets at plus 1,600. And then the Dolphins are the next AFC team at plus 500 with the oh, Jaguars. So the, so the Jags Chargers, have been all three. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. I feel like those would be the last four that I'd even want to consider with this series. I feel like those are the only other four that I'd, I feel the need. Yeah. There's no one, there's no one else in the AFC South. I, I don't feel the need to discuss the Broncos or the Raiders. No need to. Is it funny? Is it bad that we're, we're going to leave out the Patriots in this? I, is that, is that no. going to, is that going to come back to hurt us? Are we going to go 0 and 2 to the Patriots <laughs> no. this season after not discussing? I mean, maybe <laughs> we did it last year, which was so frustrating because we were finally better than the Patriots and we still lost both of our games to them because goddamn uh, Zach Wilson started them both. I can't. That has been the worst part about the past couple of years or the past year where the Jets were actually somewhat of a good team was the fucking Patriots just absolutely fucking us. You're frozen for me, by the way. So oh, I don't I'm know frozen. Any of oh, this. No. oh, I can hear you. Oh, you're back. Let's go. Oh, cool. Did you hear all that? Yeah, all I heard I all said? of it. Heard all of it. Fuck yeah. Yeah, no, the Patriots beating us twice last year keeps me awake at night because they were just not better than us, but we didn't have a quarterback. So I, I, I mean, we lost wait. 10 to 0 for I sakes. cannot wait to, to hear, hear that, to have the conversation with Mike and Scott back on here in a couple of months. To discuss, uh, I know to discuss the AFC East. That'll be a fun one. Yeah, I, you know, the Patriots get all the respect in the world for what they were able to do, you know, in the Brady Belichick era. But, but to me, they are just not a threat, you know. And obviously, we still have to give them respect because we've yet to beat them. But God damn, when's the last time we beat them? I think it was like seven or eight years ago. I think we're like fourteen and zero against them in the last or zero and fourteen in the last seven years or something like that. Oh. Yeah, it's some crazy number like that. It's brutal. Yeah, and this is still him. in that tier two where it's like not the, it, like you said, the last few years, especially, it hasn't even been the best versions of the Patriots, but the Jets have just been behind. No, right. And last year was the year where it's like, okay, finally, we're a better team. The Jets should be able to say we're a better team, but then we still lost both games. So it's kind of like I still have to bite my tongue, even yep. though Gotta I'm wait till those confident wins. the Jets have the better team, you know? Yeah. All right. Tough. So we won't we won't bring them up. We'll hit four more teams in this. We'll hit uh we'll hit Ravens. We'll hit Jaguars. We'll hit or maybe is it just is it just three Ravens, Jaguars, Dolphins? Ravens, Dolphins, Jaguars. I think we should talk about the Chargers. 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 Yep. Yep. Thank you. Yeah. So we got four more left. 
And we'll have Next a lot more fun, on the fun list stuff would be coming up as well, the Browns. Too. I got steamy Browns. Yeah, takes. I mean, I mean, it's this. I think I, I do think as we get into those, um, you know, in the coming weeks, this segment might be less of like the main focus of the show. You know, just yeah. we're actually going to have some things to talk about, which is exciting. Um, you know. Like we said, last next week is the last episode before the Jets will be in camp. I believe we're going to do some um, preseason cuts, final roster projections, you know, just kind of prep us, familiar ourselves, familiarize, familiarize. ourselves with the names. Um, I think it'll be interesting to keep tabs on hard knocks still. Everyone's anticipating them to announce that it's the Jets, um, but no official word yet, which, you know, it's never happened this late. Jets camp starts in seven days from today one week so um yeah we'll see fun times are coming we're almost there all right well thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of chasing 1969 again the twitter is at nyj underscore chasing 69 same as the youtube page teddy is at teddy huncho i am at spring blake with four a's in that bitch appreciate you listening as always and we'll talk to you next week um going over the baltimore ravens We'll talk to you soon. Peace.